This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. Fantastic punctuation to week seven. A Bears fans, how about that? Giving it to the master, Bill Belichick, in his own building. That doesn't happen for the Bears. Not just with Belichick, but pretty much pick any New England head coach over the years. The Bears have had zero success in Foxborough. But that's not the case last night, man. Victory chicken for everybody. Pop the champagne. The Bears pound New England 33-14, to a most unexpected thrashing. And I thought the point spread of 8.5 or 9, even just 8 for New England, was ridiculous. I was impressed, as everybody was, with their win in Cleveland the previous week. They blew the doors off of the Browns. 38 to 15, if I remember right, was the final. And Baylor Zappi in his second start had a 118 rating. So I get why there was New England enthusiasm. But man, for that spread to go as high as it did for a rookie quarterback, even though Zappi didn't start, it was back to Mac Jones. And man, did he suck. I just loved his news conference last night after the game. So, how did it feel? Uh, how did it feel when uh, the crowd was chanting Baylor Zappi's name after that bad interception you threw? Jaquan Brisker with a one handed leg. How do you think I felt? It feels like crap when your own, uh, you know, you're a high pick, you're out of a big time program in Alabama, and Mac Jones now is, uh, is not the most desired starter for the Patriots who were brought back down to earth last night. And that's what we get as observers and certainly as sports investors. And it was not a winning weekend for me. I only played a few games sticking true to my axiom um, on Sunday and did not move last night. I didn't like the number. I wasn't going to play the bears getting nine points or even eight and a half. And because when we last saw the Bears, they were awful. They lost their third straight against the Washington Commanders. So there was no, and they looked like they were going backwards. What seems like now a month ago, that Thursday night game against Washington. Um, But last night, they fixed so many things. So a kudos, a tip of the cap, a doff of the chapeau, a free trip to Dairy Queen, for Matt Eberflus and his staff for taking advantage of the little bit of extra time uh, extended, you know, you don't call it a bye week. I guess I've heard people call them mini buys when you play the Thursday night. And even if you go again the following Sunday, you still have a couple of extra days. This is even an additional day. You get the same thing, adding it up uh, Sunday plus one day equals Monday. That's what it was last night. So the Bears, 
were terrific, and Justin Fields was the man of the night, and it was it was easy to get drunk on what he did well because it was such a different element added to a Chicago offense that had been among the worst in the league at putting points on the board, certainly terrible in red zone all season, and only two of four last night. But that's progress, and Cairo Santos was four for four, kicking field goals. They score the two touchdowns in the red zone. They come up with four turnovers last night. They played terrific on special teams, hugely instrumental in their loss to Minnesota, a game they should have won in Minneapolis a few weeks ago, and then again last week uh, against Washington in week six, when they started week six with that horrible return from Valus Jones Jr., the rookie third-round pick out of Tennessee, who doesn't get in his feet, doesn't get his feet in position to make a clean catch. He's all tangled up, twisted up, can't catch the ball. They went in another direction last night, Dante Pettis, and he had a moment too where he put it, he had some butterfingers as well, but he did make a real nice running catch on a short punt by the Patriots in the second half. I think the return went for a fast 29, 27 or 29 yards to set the Bears up on a short field. And my God, did the Bears possess the ball last night. That would have made guys like my former colleague at the score, Doug Buffon, who played linebacker for the Bears for 14 years, absolutely happier than he could be. He'd be like swimming in salami and jardinere if if he could have seen that last night. The Bears ran 70 plays to the Patriots' mere 48 plays. And time of possession was in favor of Chicago. 37 minutes and change. Converting on third down all night. They were 11 out of 18 on third down. Five of those third down conversions on Justin Fields' rushes. Five of them on Fields' completions. Fantastic. What an upgrade. Only one turnover from Fields last night, the interception by Miles Bryant, and there were a couple of other times where he continues to frustrate you because he doesn't get rid of the ball. He takes way too many sacks. As as Troy Aikman said in the ESPN booth, live to fight another day. Just get rid of it out of bounds. Throw it past the line of scrimmage. And get it out of bounds if you're outside the tackle box. And all too often is the case where he's running around back there and winds up eating it and and taking a sack and taking his team out of field goal range range or forcing a third and long, fourth and long. And the Bears haven't been very good on fourth down this year. But uh, Patriots fans went nuts last night when Zappi comes in the game after Mac Jones threw that interception early in the second quarter, and it was a nice play by the rookie Brisker out of Penn State, the second-round pick, but it wasn't as amazing as some of the things I saw in social media and on sites last night when people, oh, this amazing, you have to see this incredible one hand. It was such a terrible ball thrown by Jones, the floater, and Aikman barbecued him for it, and he had it coming. And you sensed at that time, with 70,000 people booing, 
there was no way Jones was going to get on the field the next series. And sure enough, it's Zappy, the rookie from a small school, ingratiating himself into Patriots Nation because like Tom Brady, many years ago, he too was a sixth-round draft pick. Can the Patriots have found magic in round six again? Slow down. Slow down, New England fans. And on paper, the touchdown pass he threw to Jacoby Myers is very impressive. Has a nice 30-yard touchdown. And uh, he was bailed out by Myers, number 16, who was sprawled out and had to really move hard to his left near the corner. He had he had beaten his man. He's all alone on Eddie Jackson with a five-yard differential, and it was a terrible throw by Zappi. Myers has to fall to the ground to make the catch and then has to crawl his way into the end zone before Jackson could make contact with him to uh, to stop the play. Uh, but that's not a great play by Zappy. Sure, you could show him smiling on the sideline and he's having fun and and he should be having fun. He probably didn't expect to be getting an opportunity this year with a young quarterback, uh, a big investment from New England in front of him. So after the Bears had jumped out to that 10 to nothing lead, scoring on their first couple of possessions, that's so critical for this team to finally you know, not just get a first down or two on the first drive, get it in the damn red zone and get a touchdown. And they did get one of two uh, in the red zone, their first couple of possessions. So they bust out to that 10 to nothing lead. And then the touchdown pass zappy to Myers makes it 10 to seven. The Patriots take the lead just a few minutes later on a short touchdown run by Ramondre Stevenson. And I thought Ramondre was going to have a huge night, but it's tough to have a huge night when your team doesn't have the ball because you're constantly turning it over. And four turnovers last night for the Bears' defense is just what it needed to pick itself up off the carpet, even though it played well against the lousy Washington offense last week. And I say that in all due respect to the great Taylor Heineke who just went to Lambeau Field and kicked Aaron Rodgers in the teeth. Now get to the Packers before we make room for a short week eight preview this morning. But uh, so it's it's the Patriots then 14 to 10 with the lead and the Bears, the play of the night and what probably is the play of the year for Justin Fields comes late second quarter right inside of the two-minute warning. I think it was a buck 54. I hate that expression. A minute and 54 left on the clock. Fields is under pressure. Big number 91, Diedrich Wise, who's a bust-out on my fantasy team last night with all of one tackle, goes airborne. So Fields has to double-clutch and sidearm it around the gigantic mammal to get it in the hands of Khalil Herbert who was playing the wideout position and had come back to the inside of the field. It was a beautiful read by Fields. It was a beautiful throw, uh, a little wobbly, but it's it's a sidearm throw, which is becoming a skill you got to have in the NFL. The best guys in the league are doing it. Patrick Mahomes has taken that sidearm throw to next-level heights in this 21st century, and it was a great throw by Fields. It was a great run after the catch by Herbert, 
who went 25 yards for the touchdown. A terrific, terrific play, as good as I've seen. And according to Peyton Manning and Eli Manning, who were on ESPN2 last night watching the game, and they were not in an interview on that on that possession by the Bears and Peyton Manning, the better of the two, the finest of the Manning boys, the flying Manning quarterbacks, and Cooper, uh, was just head over feet over the way the Bears played that that last that last few minutes of the first half, and how that field's read on zero coverage, where there's no safety at the top, was spectacular. And on several occasions, Fields saw that. And very effective against it, that little that little shuffle and hide where he moves and gets himself small with the running back. It's kind of a modified version of play action. He he kind of puts the ball toward the running back a little bit. They both kind of scrunch down and get small behind those gigantic men in front of them. And then you can throw the ball to the opposite side of the field. Manning, Peyton Manning, was ecstatic by that play last night, and the Bears deployed it a couple of times. But what, and I've buried the lead, what what I really want to sing the Bears' praises for today is this. They have the number one rushing offense in the NFL. They ran for 243 yards last night, which puts them on top of the heap after seven weeks. 1,267 rushing yards with an average yards per carry of 5.2. That is second best in the league. Only one team with a 5.3, a couple of 5.2s. But the Bears atop the NFL, 1,267 rushing yards. Now, here's the downside of that. I'll give you the top 10. The top 10 teams in rushing in the NFL right now. You tell me how many of these teams are locks to go to the playoffs and how many of them you figure are a likely candidate to play on Super Bowl Sunday. Number one is the Bears. Number two, the return of Saquon Barkley and the New York Giants. The Giants are second. The Browns are third, followed by the Falcons, the Ravens, New Orleans, Number seven, Jacksonville. Number eight, Seattle. Kenneth Walker III, your table is ready. Fastest run of the season the other day for the Seahawks. Number nine, the Philadelphia Eagles. Unbeaten and well-rested coming into week eight. Number 10, Dan Campbell's Hard Knocks Lions. Grit. They're number 10. How many playoff teams did you count in that 10-pack? Two? I guess the Giants are going, right? Barring a historic collapse, Brian Dable's Giants are going to be a wild-card team at the minimum. And who's to say what happens with Philadelphia should Jalen Hurts go down? Now, I know you could say that about every team in the league, And Philly is a very good defensive team this year, but I'm not so sure that uh, based on how critical Hurts is to their running game, that that they're anywhere near the same threat without him. So 
I don't I don't find a lot of real good real good long-term potential from any of these teams. The Eagles, the only team of those 10, I would say is likely to get to championship Sunday. The Ravens at 5. Man, I just I still don't trust Baltimore. I I don't trust them because their defense while better lately has I can't get the the taste of those three huge leads they blew out of my mouth. Uh, 17 points twice, both at home. That 25 or 28-point fourth quarter against the Dolphins early in the season. They also have blown a 10-point lead. Still not buying the Ravens. But I think what we're learning is we we got to relax on our rushes to judgment. Because we do it all the time. And I I was guilty of rushing to judgment on Green Bay's potential this past weekend. I bet the Packers laying five and a half against the Commanders. Because you expect things to return to the norm at some point. There's going to be a market correction, if you will. That hasn't happened for Green Bay. They got all kinds of trouble and more a-coming when they get to Buffalo for Sunday night football, and Aaron Rodgers knows it, and he's seeing pressure on him more than he has at any point in his career. The collar is getting tight on the douchiest NFL player. Fields, by the way, got crunched. I failed to mention the contact he's taking, and on that 25-yard TD strike to Herbert, he got crunched by two players. Matthew Judon, I think, was on the left side, uh, left side on our screen, Fields' right side, and Wise, Diedrich Wise, was on Fields' left side. I think Wise took the worst of it, taking the side of Fields' helmet off of his chin a little bit, but just a crunchio between those two guys. And, uh, man, just, uh, again, I can't stop raving about that double pump and that sidearm pass, but... Because I'm a, I'm a man who was born in 1961, I, I do believe that running the football is a good thing when you can do it. And when you are struggling with a young quarterback, as so many teams in this league are right now, having an awesome running game is, is the best recipe to get him right. Taking the pressure off. And when you lead the league in rushing, that should be good. That's going to mean good things for Daniel Jones with the Giants. Uh, As it it does with Lamar Jackson, so critical a part of the Baltimore running game. But I I am delighted the Bears, even though not a Bears fan, I'm happy to see them grabbing an identity and fixing so many things that were wrong. All three phases last night were terrific. And when you get four takeaways, you're going to win more often than not. You're going to win nine out of ten times when you take the ball away four times in a game. And interceptions, the two the two youngsters in the Bears secondary, actually there's, there's several of them, but most notable playing time this year for Kyler Gordon and Jaquan Brisker. Both of the rookies had picks last night, and Roquan Smith had the punctuation interception putting a bow on uh, on that week seven victory and his dance in the end zone where he was uh, kind of classless, but I also understand it from his standpoint because he's still pissed at the Bears when he does the, 
feeling the money in his hands, counting the money, shuffling off the money as I as I whip my left hand across my right hand like I'm counting money. That's what he does in the end zone last night. Now, the great return was negated because of what I thought was questionable. I, I understand it is the rule, but I don't like the rule. And Mike Pennell, I think number 64, the defensive tackle for the Bears, who put a blindside block on Patriots center David Andrews and then gets kicked out of the game for it. Aikman did not to, did not mention how the league needs to stop dropping garments that are worn typically, historically, traditionally, gender-wise by, by ladies. He didn't say that. He, he kind of favored the disqualification, and I don't. I, I I know it's the rule penalize him. You penalized him. You got 15-yard personal foul, or as they say, unnecessary roughness. I love that one. How much of it's really, really necessary when you get right down to it? Not a damn bit of it, but we love it every week. I didn't think that uh, that should have been disqualification, but that's how we, once upon a time, were trained to block people. And if you've got an offensive lineman, in this case, the center, not paying attention right after the turnover, you got a clean shot on him, you effing take it, as long as it's legal. He did get the head in front. Pennell got his head inside of the helmet of Andrews. It was shoulder to shoulder. It was called blindside. Well, here's a, don't have a blindside. Move your damn head. Swivel your head. You're on a professional football field. It's a contact sport. How you can get that lazy after the turn? I don't know. Maybe you just kind of, uh, you pull up, your team just turned it over again. In this case, the fourth time of the night. And I went to the, uh, to the Google machine because I remember, I think the, the most dominant and scary at the same time block a defensive lineman ever put on a fellow big guy was Warren Sapp of the Buccaneers a few years ago when he laid out Packers tackle Chad Clifton in a game at Raymond James Stadium. Do a search on it. The highlight is only a few seconds. And the the follow-up interview, there's an interview package with Warren Sapp and a few other players who were involved. Clifton was was hurt. He was carried off on one of those 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 boards where your head is strapped to it and you don't want to move. He he was out. But again, the same thing. He wasn't paying attention. Now, more of a bang-bang play last night with Pennell and Andrews. But Chad Clifflet, Clifton was lollygagging. And I think it was Dexter Jackson, the Buccaneers' safety, who made the interception. And he was running toward the chalk. And the contact... Sap had made with Clifton was near the middle of the field. It's nowhere near the play. But, hey, in a game that is very Darwinistic, right? Survival of the fittest. Last man standing. That's my food. You go hungry. Clifton wasn't paying attention, and he paid the price for it. And uh, Mike Sherman, then the head coach of the Packers. I didn't remember this. I'm glad I did the search for it this morning. Uh, seeing Mike Sherman going after Warren Sapp. Boy, they should have let that go. That would have been fun. I think Packers fans years later would have enjoyed that as well. The Bears running the ball last night was just a thing of beauty. Third time this year, more than 200 yards. David Montgomery, 15 carries, 62 yards, a touchdown. 
Khalil Herbert, 12 carries, 62 yards. Dante Pettis, I mentioned him, nice job as a punt returner last night. Had one carry, went for 29 yards. Very nice. They call it a jet sweep. We used to call it an end around. Tristan Ebner getting a taste of the hoochie last night. Three carries for eight yards. And will we see more of Tristan Ebner this coming Sunday when the Bears go to Dallas? Tough putt to play back-to-back road games, unless you're the Jets, unless you're the 5-2 and two Jets who just went to Lambeau and then mile high and posted victories. Say what you will about those two teams right now. But not many teams in NFL history can, can boast that. Yeah, we went to Green Bay and Denver back-to-back weeks and came out winners. That doesn't happen. Bears got to go to Dallas. And I'm wondering if they're going to give Ebner an opportunity because I'm wondering if they're going to trade either Montgomery or Herbert. Hear me out. The trading deadline is Tuesday. Where are the Bears going? I know you're drunk on last night's win. But where are the Bears going with David Montgomery? He is completing his first contract this year. He didn't bitch about it at, at all in training camp. Didn't say a word. Said, I'm playing the C. All I'm thinking about is this game. That'll take care of itself afterward. Unlike Roquan Smith, who now leads the league in tackles and is getting more people interested in him after a little bit of, a, of an iffy start playing weak side linebacker. Or will linebacker, as everybody in sports radio likes to tell you so they convince you they know the language. There are teams looking for running backs. And if the Bears are not going to re-up Montgomery, they should move him. Maybe they should give Abner an opportunity to see if he can be a number two and see if if Khalil Herbert, still on a first-year deal, and Abner can be the tandem moving forward and not commit a lot of money to Montgomery. Now, Montgomery's numbers should be better in his four years than they are. He has had a couple of nagging injuries, nothing real serious, but a couple of injuries have kept him from logging heavy games every year, and he's been a victim of playing for Matt Nagy, who didn't really value the running game. He always talked about valuing the running game, but he never did. You might recall their seven rushes against New Orleans a few years ago and a bad loss at Soldier Field. Last week, the 49ers want help at running back. They go out and friends, you know, mortgage the franchise a little bit down the road. Second, third, fourth round picks, another fourth round picker pick the next year for Christian McCaffrey. The five and two Jets go out Monday and make a move because they have had a terrible injury. Brees Hall gone. Will the Bills be next, or are they content with Devin Singletary and Josh Allen being their best running back? Will the Rams, who have a very unhappy Cam Akers as their number one, and a very unproductive Akers, I should add, will they make a move? Will the Bears be involved? The trading deadline is Tuesday. I'm eager to see how that shakes out. More than uh, more than that, however... Uh, Packers and Bills Sunday night should be a lot of fun. Packers having lost three in a row, the first time ever in the Matt LaFleur era. Um, I'm eager to see that. I'm eager to see if Buffalo 
can continue to perform as impressively as it has. They apparently have, they, they seemingly have no weaknesses. They play well in all three phases. There are three teams right now that have distinguished themselves from the rest of the pack. They are unbeaten Philadelphia, the five and one bills and the Kansas city chiefs. Those three teams are head and shoulders above the rest of the pack. Bears 33, Patriots 14. Friday morning, I will return, and I'll give you a fishing report on the the Chippewa flowage. I'm taking a long drive to fish for one day, and I'll be getting back late Thursday night. So I'll be watching the Thursday night game Al Michaels and Kirk Herbstreet hoping for a good one for the second straight week. That hasn't happened yet this year. I'll watch that and uh, and file about a 30 to 35-minute report on that in a week seven preview, uh, week eight preview as well. That'll be Friday, dropping shortly before lunch as they usually do. You should subscribe to the podcast if you haven't done so already, and it's cool that you can just punch it in on your laptop or even on your phone if you're on Twitter and just listen to it that way, but subscribe. That way, whenever the podcast drops, it's there for you in your inbox and you don't have to go looking for it. So subscribe wherever you get your podcast. Doesn't matter. YouTube, Apple, just just pick one and tell people about it. I want to thank Adam Delavitt, who is the big boss at Bet Rivers, for giving me this opportunity twice a week to share my thoughts on the NFL with you and Sam Michael, who produces the show. Very, very excited to keep talking football as the 22 season rolls along. And I can't predict much with any degree of certainty. There's almost nothing I feel confident about heading into week eight or week nine, but I can promise you this much. I will not bet on the Los Angeles Chargers again this year. Have a great week, and thank you for listening. I'm Danny Mack, and I'm Taillights.